All right. If you guys want to turn to Second Peter, you guys ready to get in the Word today? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Dave had his coffee today. Good job. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start in Second Peter chapter one. Um, let's pray one more time, if you guys don't mind. Lord, uh, again, thank you again for your Word, and thank you. Again, for bringing us here, and uh, we do pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, and, and uh, open up our, our, our ears to hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, um, we've been going through Second Peter, and we saw the introduction, we saw the first, uh, we started the first chapter of Second Peter, and saw some of the things that, that, that Peter is addressing to the church, to the body of believers, and he began to remind the church of uh, certain things, and, and uh, we saw that on Wednesday night, and, and he already reminded us in verse 2 through 11 of about the power of God, and about the promises of God, and about the people who are living for God. And and Peter continues to remind these believers about a few more things, and that's what we're going to look at today. Let's just read our passage, uh, and then we'll we'll go back and, and start again. Look at verse 12, uh, chapter 1, verse 12. It says, For this reason I will not be ne- negligent to remind you always of these things, Though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, Peter says, to stir you up by reminding you. Knowing that shortly I must pay off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Um, Peter is reminding us again five more things, right? He just reminded us of three things there in, in the first section. And there's five more things he wants to remind us. So let's just jump right into it. The first thing that we notice, we'll go back to verse 12. He reminds the, uh, them uh, regarding the things they know. I know it sounds very simple, and it is. Notice it says, for this reason I will not be negligent, to remind you always of these things, though you know. But he's going to remind them, not just a couple of times, but notice he's going to remind them always. Right? This tells me that they already understand what Peter is already talking about here. Turn to chapter 3 for a second, just a page over, maybe. Um, it says in verse 1, 
Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. So, uh, in fact, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians to your left, chapter 3. Um, repetition is good for us, right? Peter knew this, Paul knew this, um, and that's, that's what, you know, what we do when we get up here to teach you guys, we're, we're repetition, repetition, like Pastor Dwight says, right? It's a good thing that we are reminded of the things of the Lord, you know? And that's why we go through the scriptures. Um, it's not like we go through, you know, Genesis to Revelation and then we're like, oh, we're all done. I guess we don't have to be reminded of that anymore because we all know, right? No, we need to go back through the scriptures and uh, I don't know how many times I've read the Bible, but every time it's like, whoa, right? It's always brand new and then the Lord's always, there's always those gold nuggets, if you will, right? A treasure uh, of his word. So repetition's good. Um, and and I, I think of my kids, right? I'm always telling them, I'm like, Brush your teeth, right? Or put your shoes on, or, or you guys probably would understand this one, right? Um, eat your food. <laughs> what are you doing? And they're just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm gonna eat my food, right? Um, so r- repetition's good, right? And there's certain things that we always repeat throughout the day. If you have kids, you guys understand. Those of you guys are quiet. You're like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> You'll know if you have kids. Um, but we come to church and we're reminded of things we already know and we understand the importance of hearing it again. And I'm amazed that, you know, we could, we could sit through a teaching and I don't know what, two, three hours later we're at lunch or we're with our family and, um, they're like, what would you learn at church today? And you're like, I don't know. What, what did I learn at church today? Right? It's just, a couple hours, that's all it took, and boom. So uh, I remind you guys, uh, again, as I, I have to remind myself, right, when I'm sitting through a teaching, it's only, what, 20 minutes long, right? 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 No, this is Calvary Chapel, come on. Um, but for this certain amount of time, it's it's that time is valuable, and we are, we are to pri- just prioritize our time, right? And, and and value that time as precious. And so when you're sitting through the teaching and then all of a sudden that thought comes to your mind of, oh, where am I going to go eat lunch? Or, oh, what did so-and-so, I wonder if, you know what I'm saying, right? The enemy just shoots those little darts at you of distraction and he wants to distract, but you got to put it to, to rest, right? And just say, no, 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 this time is the Lord's time, right? I want to hear from the Lord and, and I'm going to set this time uh, apart for him. And so every time those thoughts come in, just shut them down and be like, no, be quiet, right? Don't say it out loud though, because you'll be a distraction. But, um, but, but just continue doing that. And then, um, well, look, let's just read Philippians chapter three. Look at verse one. Finally, my brethren, rejoice, Paul says in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you, it is safe. It's safe. Hearing the word of God, it's safe. It's secure. When you read in Psalms, you, you realize that it's, it's what secures us. His word is a light and a lamp to our feet, right? And Paul, back in Acts chapter 20, uh, he, for three years, reminded the church with tears, right, over and over and over, that 
There would be deceptive teachers coming in, and and they will. They're they're the wolves. The wolves are going to come in, and they're going to devour. That's their only intention. They're not coming because you know we're all about community, and that's what we want to do. And let's just be a happy family and sing kumbaya, right? No, they they are coming in with a goal and a mission, and their mission is to. They're deceived already, but they want to come and deceive you. As, as if it's not good enough for them, right? They, they, they want to devour you. And in fact, they can't even sleep at night until they've devoured. And, and that's their, their goal. And we got to be watchful just as well. Paul reminded the church three years, reminding them. Why? Because maybe they forgot. I don't know. I forget a lot of things. And so, uh, back to Second Peter, by the way. We need to be reminded of these things. Secondly, um, Peter reminds them about the strength they have, the strength that they already have. Notice in verse 12, it says, and are established in the present truth. So Peter reminds them that they are in fact established in the present truth. Notice that word established, uh, sterizo, right, in the Greek, used 13 times in the New Testament, um, it's where we get our English word, or, or you could say it just straight out in English, right? Steroids, basically. Uh, it's where we get our English word for to be strong and and to make firm, to strengthen is is what it means. So Peter's reminding them that they have been strengthened as it pertains to the present truth. And so notice in verse twelve. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. So because of this truth they already have, Peter is going to continually remind them regarding the strength that they already have. And notice they already have it. I, I, I'm reminding you of that as well. Question, what is the present truth that they're holding? The body of believers, the church. Well, in the previous section it refers to two things. Number one... The, the power of God. The power of God. In that he has given us everything as it pertains to life and to godliness, right? Be, by his grace and by his peace, if you keep reading there in the beginning, right? And secondly, it's the promises of God. So, which are exceedingly great and precious, it says. And so, this is the wonderful truth that they have. The power of God and the promises of God in them, right? And there's, there's where our strength comes from, right there. We have no strength of our own, right? And, and I, I want to stress that as well. I know we want to try in and of our flesh. I know, um, I think of when I was in second grade, right? There's this guy named Paul. He was a fourth grader. And, and I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, right? In the, the ghetto, right? And, uh, this guy was like the bully, right? I would be playing in the playground and, and then I see this guy over here and he's picking on kids. He's, he's like, you know, and he's got like four, five other, you know, the other guys that are fifth graders that hang out with him. And he was like the gangster guy. And, and, uh, I just remember like, oh no, he's not. I'm the man, right? This is my pride when I was a kid. I was born prideful. And, and, uh, so I go up to him, right? And it, cause I see him picking on kids and I'm like, uh-uh. I was like, hey, what do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? He's all, who are you? I was the new kid, right? I'm the new kid in the, in the school. 
And uh, so I go to him, and I want to fight him, right? So I go over, and I just start going at it, and I start punching. And he's, like, holding my head, and I, right? <laughs> what do you think you're doing? <laughs> I was short. I was really short back then, right? Um, but then I grew really, really tall, and uh, <laughs> at least my kids tell me that, right? They're like, Dad, you're tall. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, but... But man, I remember fighting this guy like I really wanted to beat him up so bad, but I had no strength. This guy was strong and he was, you know, we were wrestling each other and every time he would just take me down on the ground and I was like, I can't get him. And then afterward, he just stopped. He's all, just stop. And I was like, okay, I quit. <laughs> He's all, it's, who are you? And then we became best friends right after that. But, um, I'm reminded when I'm reading through the scripture and I understand it's not by our flesh. We can't create and, and generate this strength of our own to live the, the Christian life that God has called us to. We can't be victorious on our own. Although when I listen to the radio or the TV, it tells me you, there's power in words and you could proclaim it and name it and blab it and grab it. And, and then I'm deceived and I'm thinking, yeah, I can. I could. It's me. And then I'm reminded, no, it's not about me. Right? There's victory and there's power only through the word of God. It's through Jesus. Right? And only, uh, Colossians says it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So if there's any strength coming from anywhere, it's to him be the glory, right? Not us. Lord, I did it. No, it's Lord, you did it. And who is the glory going to now? It's going to Jesus. And so, um, why, okay, this word established, there we go, is the, is the passive voice, right? So it indicates an action that they receive. And so understand our strength is not something we uh, work for, we strive at. It's not something that we're promoted to, right? Some people think in ministry, man, I've been serving in ministry for 20 years now. They still haven't promoted me. <laughs> what? <laughs> you haven't been serving in ministry. You've been serving your own self, right? We, we've been given strength by the Lord, right? And, and in Ephesians chapter 6, 10, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in yourselves, Amen, church? No? No amens. You guys are good. Good job. Finally, my brethren, be strong in who? The Lord. And and in whose power and might? His power and his might. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's only through him and, and, and because of him that we're anything and that why we're even here, why we're living and breathing, why we'll be in heaven is because of him. Stop thinking it's about ourselves and stop these people that are telling you it's about yourself, right? Stop those, uh, it's, you know, it's all about you. They're going to build you up to fall. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to devour you, so be careful. Colossians 1.11 says, Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Ephesians 3.16 says at the end, uh, With might through his spirit in the inner man. It's through his spirit, not ours. Second Timothy chapter one says, you therefore, my son, be strong in yourselves. Oh, hey, hey, you guys awake today? Be strong in the grace that is in who? It's in Christ Jesus. So where do we draw our strength from? From Jesus. 
right? And so if we're trying to be established and strengthened uh, apart from the present truth that we have uh, the power of God and the promises of God, well, what's going to happen? We're going to fall short of the glory of God, and that's going to hurt, right? You've got a big hurting forehead. It's because it keep going, dunk, 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 right? You keep trying it of yourself and your own flesh, and, and we're attempting now to strengthen ourselves in the flesh. If we're not... Uh, living and abiding according to his will and his word, right? And so if that's the case, understand, you're always going to fall. And, and we're, we're to rely on the power and the strength of the Lord. And in his strength, right? Only he can enable us, by the way. It's, but only, Samson understood that. You guys remember Samson? Like, did the jawbone, thousand Philistines, right? Took them all out. He did some amazing stuff, but he even understood that his strength didn't come from himself. Wow, Delilah's like, how can I kill you? Right? <laughs> Try this, right? It's kind of like it. He didn't, she didn't say that, but. Um, where does your strength come from? But it, it came from the Lord. And he understood his reliance upon, even to this last very couple minutes of his life, right? Lord, give me the strength. And it was from him, right? <laughs> brought, brought down those two um, towers, basically, and, and, and brought them down. But it's the strength of the Lord. And, and with the strength of the Lord... You see guys in the Old Testament, they want to run with the message, and, and if they know it's through the Lord, all of a sudden the Lord gives you this super power, super strength, and you're like, you're already there, right? Like, Whoa, where did that come from? It's like the super power, and it's, it's from the Lord. I think of Philip when, uh, um, he was transferred, right? He, he goes and he goes, gives, gives the gospel, and all of a sudden, poof, he's, he's in the city all of a sudden. You know, and there's there's amazing power uh, that that can come, but your heart is not, man. I, if only I got to think of this, or I got to meditate on that, or I got to be this. No, it's you relying a hundred percent on the Lord and what He wants to do, and He's going to take you places and do things with you that are astonishing. You don't know the mind of Christ, right? Uh, Jeremiah thirty three says, "Call unto me, and I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. You can't even fathom." You, it's beyond our comprehension, the ways of the Lord, right? And and his ways are definitely not our ways, right? Because I pray all the time, like, Lord, you got to do this, and you got to do it this way, and this is what you got to do. Oh, and I'm sick, by the way, so you got to heal me over here right away. And he's like, what if I don't want to heal you, right? I, no, in fact, what if his will for your life is to go through a whole bunch of stuff that's just, you know, to you is chaos, but it wasn't for you. It was really for those around you that they might grow in the Lord and that they might be strengthened or they might receive the Lord. What if your trials are not about you? What if your trials are for the Lord and onto the Lord and the Lord just wants to use you to reach other people, to glorify himself, you know? And sometimes we get so caught. I, if you're like me, right, church, I get caught up in myself. Lord, no, you got to do this according to my agenda. But he, he's, he's, he's different. Um, let's come to the third thing. Peter reminds them also about the stirring that they need. The stirring that they need. Notice in verse 13 through 15, um, it says, Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent, speaking of his body, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must Put off my tents, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful 
to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease, after his departure, after he dies, right? And so Peter understood that he was not going to be around any longer. And in fact, we know Peter died um, about a year later or two, uh, about in 68 AD, he died. He was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be uh, crucified the same way as his Lord and Savior. And so Peter understood how short life can be, and each and every one of us were drawing closer and closer to our to to our death than we realize. And James chapter four verse fourteen says, "Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. Tomorrow's not promised." Today, the Bible says, is a day of salvation for those who don't know the Lord. Today's the day. Imagine that tonight or today, right? You're driving, boom, boom, whoa, right? There's you standing before the Lord. And, and now in your thought process, you're like, oh, if only I could go back, right? If only, Lord, you know, when was those opportunities that you gave me to receive you in my life? Well, Today was the day that was your opportunity, and you rejected me. Those are words I don't want to hear. Get away from me. I don't know you. Who are you? But Lord, I went to church. For 50 years, I went to church. I served you. I spoke about you. I told my family to read the Bible. Right? I, I, I gave them this. I did this. Oh, but I don't know you. It's all about the knowledge of the Lord, and that's what Second Peter is all about, is coming to the, the knowledge the understanding of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, since Peter knows this, it may be his last letter to the church, he wants us to be stirred up, right? Sterizo in the Greek, stir. This word stir is used seven times in the New Testament. It means to activate. It means to wake up, right? It means to arise. And interesting that Peter uses this word, since in Matthew 26, you guys remember Peter, James, John, um, they were told to stay up and pray. They're in the garden, and Jesus said, guys, stay up, pray, be alert, wake up, strizzle, right? Um, and he, he told, he comes back, and he, you guys, could he even stay up for one hour and pray? Three times. Oh, sorry, Lord. <laughs> oh, sorry, Lord. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Three times. I mean, one time's enough, but man, they were exhausted. They didn't realize what that night brought. And and so Peter reminded, uh, I'm sure he's reminded that, you know, we can fall asleep spiritually as well. And and uh, Peter doesn't want us to fall into that same trap in, in a sense, right? He fell asleep physically, but man, is it easy to fall asleep in our walks with the Lord? And and it's so easy, right? In fact, it, it the enemy makes it easier for you. He'll give you distraction after distraction. If your life is boring, read the Bible. You'll understand all of a sudden you're busy like crazy because there's so much opportunities out of where do they come from? Well, the Bible is spiritual. There's spiritual warfare that's going to hold you away from reading the word of God. So when you get up in the morning, draw close to the Lord. Grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Be reminded of his loving kindness towards you. And what's that going to do? That's going to make you walk in, well, victory. 
right? You're going to be strong in the Lord. You're going to be built up by the Lord and not by, oh, I got up this morning. I got this day. Lord, I got it. Get, get out of the way, Lord. I got this. It's kind of what we're saying when we're not seeking the Lord. I understand we could go to sleep drawing close to the Lord, but we also got to rise up drawing close to the Lord. We also got to live and breathe every moment of our lives drawing close to the Lord, right? And the decisions we make. And so um, it's, it's just interesting how uh, we go through those dry times. And, and we need to stir up one another, you know, to, to draw close to the Lord. Um, I think it's interesting how people... They wait until they go to like a summer camp or a Bible camp or men's retreat, women's retreat. And then afterward, they're all charged up and they're reading through the word. But if there's no, you know, believers encouraging you, it's just like, eh, eh, mm, ah, right? But then we get together, what happens? And that's why it's, uh, it's encouraging that we, we do fellowship with one another, right? For those of you guys who are watching online... You're staying home. There you go. We, we should come to church for the fellowship. We need to be stirred up with one another. And that's going to get you to, to be encouraged to read the word yourself. And that's the goal. Romans 13, 11 says, And do this, knowing the time that now is it, it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So if we're not in the word of God, we're not in prayer, we're going to snap at people. Have you guys noticed that? It's like coffee, right? <laughs> Don't you talk to me until I finish my coffee, right? Are you a believer? <laughs> what happened? Rawr, right? Just like, whoa. That's kind of how it is. You're not in the Word, and all of a sudden, it's like, whoa. Did you get in the Word today? <laughs> Woo. Um, it's it's amazing. Um, but we, we need to wake up. We need to get in the Word. And then we're going to find ourselves, we're going to be looking to present the gospel. We're going to see people as opportunities to glorify the Lord, right? And we're going to want to fellowship with them as people, right? You're going to see value. We're going to see, you know, a heart, you know, and, and not complaining and like, I can't believe this person did this and this person, and they need to do that, and they blah, 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 right? That's all that's going to happen when you're not in the Word. Your flesh is going to be strengthened. And and then uh, the Spirit, you're, you're putting to death, in a sense, the Spirit, right? You're like, eh. So, anyways, I think you guys, sorry. I didn't even plan on saying all that. I feel like I'm beating you guys up. You guys with me so far? I love you guys. I'm not trying to, you know, bash you guys. I'm trying to remind you guys, right? <laughs> I guess. Um, but let's come to the fourth thing here. Peter reminds them about the voice they fear. The voice they fear. Notice in verse 16 through 18, um, Peter is bringing up a, a past event in his lifetime. We call it the, the, the tra- Mount of Transfiguration, right? According to Matthew chapter 16, I'm sorry, 17, when, uh, James, John, and Peter, Jesus says, you know, come on up. And they go up to this mountain. I don't know what mountain. I call, I call it the Mount of Transfiguration. Where is it? I don't know. But it might be Mount Hermon or one of those mountains out there. But um, the Lord, there's just the glory of the Lord, right? The presence of the Lord. And then Jesus is just, he's glowing and he's like, you know, I don't know how they know it's Moses and Elijah. Maybe he's like, hey, Moses, how's it going? Hey, Elijah, hey, how's it going? They're talking. 
All right, and, and, and uh, there's a lot going on here, but the glory of the Lord was all around them. And, and from the Lord who, this is where the Lord made that declaration that Jesus is Lord. And, 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 and Peter takes this experience and he gives us an important point that there are many voices today that are saying many things. And, and you and I have to make sure that we're hearing the right voice. And, and in verse 16 through 18, Peter mentions two voices. Uh, number one, Peter mentions the voice of man. Notice in verse 16, the voice of man. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And so Peter's talking about himself, James, and John at this, the Mount of Transfiguration when, when they saw the Lord, right? And when they're, they're, uh, when were they? eyewitness uh, of this account. Well, that's when it was, at the Mount of Transfiguration. So notice he says, they did not follow cunningly devised fables. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians, to your left. 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Um, this phrase, cunningly devised fables, speaks about mythological stories that have no basis in truth. And so Peter speaks specifically about the power and the coming of our Lord and Jesus, our Savior, right? Peter's saying there's voices out there that are denying the power, the powerful coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So talking about the 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 the. Christ coming in power and glory, right? So many today, they say, Jesus Christ, he's not coming back in power and glory. In fact, notice in 2 Thessalonians, look at chapter 1, look at verse 7. It says, And to give you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Did you guys catch that? Not only his presence, but the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe. Because our testimony among you was believed. So is Jesus coming back in power and glory? Yes, he is. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 24, um, in fact, you could turn there if you want to, Matthew. I'll probably be there for a little bit. Matthew 24, uh, verse 30. At the end there, it says, The Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Man, don't don't even take heed to these people who say Christ is not coming back in power and glory because he is coming back in power and glory. I'm shocked how easy people are 
led astray into anything, right? They, they, somebody just walks up to him and says, blah, 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 let me give you a demonstration. Here's a magic trick. Wow, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden they're following this doctrine wholeheartedly because of what they've been wowed, right? They've been shocked. And, and that's exactly what these people are doing. They're deceiving many. We're living in a generation that there's going to be a strong delusion and, and, and we're going to be taken away if we're not in the word of God, if we're not looking to his power and to if his glory. And and uh, so notice the second voice is not only of man, um, uh, back in, uh, you could save your spot in Matthew actually, but go back to Second Peter, uh, look at verse 17. It says, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So Peter, James, and John they heard the voice of God. Instead of the voice of man, right, the cunningly devised fables, these voices denying the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that is coming back in power and glory. Instead, they turn to the voice of God. Um, go back to Matthew 17, actually. Matthew 17, if you saved your spot. Um, look at verse 5. It says, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. So we are to hear Jesus Christ, right? We are to hear the Lord. Don't miss that last part. Hear him. Obey him. Listen to him, right? And, and that's what we ought to do. There's three things we can learn about Jesus Christ as it pertains to the voice of God. Number one, understand that Jesus is the Son of God. God said, this is my beloved Son. He's the Son of God. And, and, and Jesus, well, like I say it again, Jesus is the Son of God. Um, turn to Matthew 16 to your left. Just six days earlier, Jesus asked the disciples a question. Look at Matthew 16, look at verse 13. It says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Matt, and then look at verse 14. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. There's the declaration right there. Look at verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, uh, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You guys, there's a lot of voices today that are going on and they're speaking blah, 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 right, to everybody. And, and, but they're saying that Jesus is not the Son of God. They're saying Jesus is Michael the Archangel. They're saying Jesus is the son of Lucifer. Muslims are saying that Jesus, he's just a good prophet, and that's all he is. But he's not the son of God to them. 
And that's very important as you read First John. You're not a Christian unless you understand that the deity of Christ that he is and who he says he is. He is the I am. He is the great I am. And, and uh, he is the living uh, God. So uh, the second thing that I learn about Jesus from the voice of God is that Jesus is pleasing to God. Jesus is pleasing to God. Look, look at Matthew 17 if you're still there. Notice in verse 5. It says, well, he was still speaking. Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear, hear him, it says. So Jesus is pleasing to God. Did you guys catch that? Jesus said in John eight twenty nine, he says, for I always do those things that please him. He's always doing the things that please the Lord. Our lives need to be lived in light of pleasing God as well, right? And and the question, do you guys want to be pleasing to the Lord? Yeah, you sure? You positive? All right. Um, what is, what is, what's involved in pleasing the Lord? I'm glad you guys asked that question. You guys ready for this? All right. Uh, it involves, number one, faith. Hebrews 11.6 is very obvious, right? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so, obviously, speaking about having faith in God, and, and we all have faith, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, we've all been given a measure of faith. So we all have faith. The question is, where are you putting that faith? Is it in the Lord, or is it in the things of this world or in yourself. And as you read through scripture, um, I realize that if we want to be pleasing to the Lord, no, do a little a study on your own on, on, on what pleases God, right? What is God pleased with? And you'll start to find out from Genesis to Revelation that he begins with those who put away their idols, right? Those who put away their works, those who put away the things they believed in, and they, they, they repent, and they turn to the Lord. There's people that are going to say, you don't need to repent. What? Start reading the Bible and you start to understand the things that please God are those who turn away from wickedness. Who turn away from doing the things that that displease the Lord. Right? It just It's so obvious to me. Um, we know that faith, it's a gift. Right? Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. It's a gift that's been given by the Lord. And so we are to... Putting our, where are we putting our, our faith, you know? Are we putting in the voice of God or are we putting in the voice of man? And, and if we put our faith in God, we're gonna be pleasing to the Lord. Um, third, Jesus is the voice of God. Jesus is the voice of God. In Matthew chapter 17 verse 5, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. But notice this, hear him. Hear him. And in other words, listen to Jesus. Why? Well, because Jesus is the voice of God. In John chapter 1, verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus being the voice of God points us to the word of God, which is eternal, right? And it's the word of God that we live for. We're to be like the Bereans and we're to search the scriptures daily. We, uh, um, the Bible says to study the word of God, right? Be approved. You're, we're studying the word of God. Um, guys, don't listen to me, by the way. Don't come to church and, and listen to any pastor and just take it as truth. 
You need to take everything that they say, just as the Bereans did with Paul. If Paul the Apostle was here, I'd be like, what? But at the same time, you got to be a Berean and be like, I'm going to double check this, right? Just Hold on, one second, right? <laughs> and that's what the Bereans did. They didn't offend Paul. Paul wasn't like, seriously, guys, just... I'm Paul, right? Take my word for, I was taught under Gamaliel. I mean, come on, right? I know my stuff, but still, Paul was delighted that they went back and they studied the word, right? They, they, they wanted to know, is what they're saying, is it really the word of God? Is it really truth? And so we are to do the same thing as well. And, and, uh, Study John seventeen seventeen. Jesus, when he's praying to the Father, right there in the garden, Jesus said, "Sanctify them by your truth." What did he say about the truth? That his word is the truth. And so Paul said in First Thessalonians five twenty one to test all things, to hold fast what is good. Are you testing? Are you holding fast to what is good? Consider it. How do we test all things? It's not on, on how we feel or on you know what we think. No, it's based on the word of God. It's based on the word of God. Since our feelings and our thoughts, man, they change, right? And we can be horribly wrong. We can think that God is you know so far away from us. I feel like God just doesn't listen. He doesn't hear me. He's not hearing. He's so far away. What does the Bible say in Hebrews 13, 5 at the end? I will never leave you and never forsake you. What are you basing your thoughts on, your life on? The word of God or your thoughts? Your feelings? I just don't feel it. There's not a burning in my bosom. What? <laughs> That's the pizza, right? Um, but I, I just, I, I don't think God, you know, will send me to hell. That's, that's an important one to think of, right? I just don't think. I just don't believe that God will do such a thing to mankind. I mean, so thus, based on nothing and just pure, I believe and I think. Do you guys see this huge pink rhinoceros right now? Right? That's, that's how people's, they live their entire life based on something that's not there. Right? We have the scriptures, the evidence, the prophecy. We got creation. We got, man, the, the, the written word of God, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have it tested and proven over and over and over. And those who try to disprove it, they end up getting saved. <laughs> I tried and I got saved. I mean, I just couldn't do it, right? I look at the, look at the, all the, the, where we get the scripture from. You guys could get into it and you can't get a on the truth. It's the truth. And so where are you basing your life? On your thoughts? On your, I just, I believe. Do you see the pink rhinoceros? It's waving at you. Hi guys. It's, it's right there. No, I don't see it either. Right? So that's how you sound when you say, well, I believe he won't send me to hell. I don't need to do what the Bible says. I'm me. I mean, come on. God's, God's, he's this and that. He's that. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to understand who God is according to what the word of God says who he is, right? And when you understand the word of God, you don't just speak of his word flippantly, right? There's an awe, there's a trembling when you understand the word of God and who he is. So we, who do we believe in, the word of God or our feelings, right? We got to base our, our, our 
our life on the scripture, right? And what his word says. Go back to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. Fifth thing, Peter reminds them about prophecy they received. Prophecy that they received in verses 19 to 21. And it says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And that's my prayer, that I would be moved by the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer for you, that you would be moved by the Holy Spirit. This prophecy of scripture mentioned in 19 verses, uh, 19 to 21, it, it refers to the Old Testament, right? We call it the Word of God today. I learned three things about the Word of God. The Word of God is, according to the beginning of verse 19, it is sure. It's sure. Notice it says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed. It's sure. And so the original reads, and so we have more sure the prophetic word. And so the prophetic word of God is more sure, not because of us, but in spite of us. Right? The word of God, secondly, it shines. It shines. Notice in verse 19, which you do well to heed. By the way, that word to heed, to stop, to calculate, to think, right? To, to, um, just put it in perspective in your life, right? As a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So remember, David said in Psalm 119, verse 105, he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In Proverbs 6, 23, it says, for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. So this points to the word of God, right? Which ultimately, it points to Jesus Christ. From Revelation to Matthew, everything's pointing to Jesus backwards, right? From what Jesus did on the cross, Genesis to Malachi, everything's pointing forward to Jesus. The whole Bible, the centrality, the whole purpose of the word of God given to us is to teach us about Jesus and who Jesus is. And so, and and, and Jesus said in John 8, 12, he says, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world, right? He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Notice where the morning star of Jesus rises, by the way, according to this verse. It's in your hearts. It all points to Jesus. In Revelation twenty-two sixteen, 16, uh, at the end, uh, Jesus is the bright and morning star. And so that's the voice we need to listen to. Amen? Church, we need to listen to Jesus. And the word of God is, is given by the Spirit. Um, thirdly, notice in verse 20, uh, in 21, it says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Turn back to Second Timothy, if you don't mind. Second Timothy, um, go to chapter... Go to chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Since the word of God didn't come from men or even by man, it came by and from the Holy Spirit. Right? Yes, the Holy Spirit used men to give his word, but it was through the Spirit of God that the word of God came. And so 2 Timothy, look at chapter 3. Look at verse 13. 
But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood, you, just Paul speaking to Timothy here, um, that you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man, amen, right? Hebrews 4.12, we understand the word of God is living, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Piercing even to the division of the soul and of the spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Man, we need to listen to the voice of God, right? And not the voice of man. And his word will equip us to perform what is good by relying on him, by trusting in him. But when you trust in the Lord, everything's directed, right? Your life will be directed in what pleases him. He'll put you in the place he wants you as you continue to just give him the glory, right? Lord, I trust you. I don't know. I I, I think I know, but I'm not going to go with what I think. I'm going to go with what you say. And I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to, Lord, I love you. Right? I'm here for you, and I'm going to serve you. Right? I don't understand why. You know, Abraham was told to get out Ur of the Chaldeans. Right? He didn't know where he was going, but he went right by faith. And so we are to do the same by faith. Just it, we trust the Scripture. Although we have all the proof we need, man, it's better that you just by faith just take it, just trust it, but also study it and know it. So let's let's pray, guys. If you guys don't mind standing with me. Ah, Lord, thank you so much for your word, and uh, thank you, Lord, that you know all things, and that you know the intent of our heart, Lord. We pray that we would truly trust in you, that you would direct our steps, that you would um, guide us, Lord, into all truths. You say, Lord, um, that your word is truth, and so help us to fall back on your word, to know you, uh, and and to to pick up your word with full respect, Lord, and full honor and full of just giving you the glory, Lord. Um, help us to fall more and more in love with you, Lord, as as the day goes on, and especially seeing the things that are happening today, Lord, that the that you spoke of would happen in, in these times, and so. Help us to be even more alert, even more uh, sober-minded, and, and uh, just watchful, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing here in the church. Thank you for Pastor Dwight and Judy, Lord. Continue to bless them on, uh, in Arizona and, and the, the whole crew there at the Grand Canyon. I pray that you would keep them safe, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.